I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Kia ora, Welcome along to the Rugby Pass podcast. The short ball is back for another year. 2018, it is the 23rd of January. I'm Scotty Stevenson. He's Mills Muliaino. Kia ora, Mills. Kia ora, Sumo. You've summered well. You have summered well. You reckon? Yeah, you're fit. Well, I don't know about that. You're tanned. Mate, I only have to look at the sun and I get brown. You are at least four shades darker than you were this time, uh, <laughs> well, about two months ago. When did we do our last podcast? Must have been about, no, about a month ago. Was really. it a month ago? Yeah. God, it feels like it was just yesterday. Mm. Good summer? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic summer. What did you do? Well, I went down to Invercargill. Had to go back home. Did a little bit of a stint in Waihi Beach, up north mm-hmm. to Tutakaka, mm-hmm. then to Kirikiri. Mm-hmm. And then um, last weekend in the good old Matarangi. What was happening there? Oh, mate, some idiot's wedding. Some idiot's wedding, all right. It was a big weekend. Um, have you missed footy? I've kind of missed it. I didn't think I would, but I've I, I had the sevens here, the the New Zealand uh, Provincial National Championship sevens, a couple of weeks ago, and I must admit it it wet the appetite. Yeah, I mean to, to be totally honest, this time of the year, you you know, usually people complaining about you know we're talking about rugby and things like that already. Um, but I've actually, I have I have actually missed it for someone that never used to watch it, and um, I've actually missed you know a lot of the, the rugby. So I'm, I'm glad we're back. Talking about it, I know there's not much on at the moment. Actually, the sevens are on the moment, aren't they? The world sevens are coming to Hamilton soon. They're they're over in Sydney at the moment. They are, yeah. Women's and men's uh, heading over there on Thursday for that. Uh, I hope they get a good crowd. It's mm. I, I remember being at the first Sydney sevens and it was a great occasion. Big big crowd. Uh, they hadn't experienced the sevens before yeah. because that event had been played in Adelaide and I think uh, on the Gold Coast. Uh, so it was Sydney's first time to have it. So we're three years deep into Sydney, but. What I like about this, and I think it's the future of these tournaments, to have the women and the men play yeah. at the same weekend. Yeah. I, I think that's the making of them, and, and I would not be surprised to see the women's game expand and they try and make sure that these tournaments are played back-to-back. So it's quite an interesting uh, schedule they've got planned for Sydney because you're going to have the women's action all on Friday and then the men's on Saturday with some of the women's action on Saturday as well. And okay. so finals are going to be played during pool fixtures. So there's something for the crowd, and I think it's just going to add a little bit more interest than just uh, a monosexual tournament. <laughs> no. I think we're pa- we're past monosexual no, in we rugby have, now. No, we're, we're very past it. No, I like that. I like that, I think. Uh, and, and you're right. I, I, I agree with you on that, that uh, the women's and, and the men's have got to be played together. Because if you've seen how, how, how much the women's game has, has grown, it's actually a lot more ex- 
I, I thought over the last sort of year or so, they're a lot more exciting uh, than the men's. And that probably perhaps had to do about the fact that uh, we're a bit more successful than, mm. than the men's. But they've come back, um, you know, the men's side, the one in, uh, in South Africa. So I'm looking forward to Sydney this week. And then obviously Hamilton, first time uh, in the Tron and sold out. That's right. Yeah, Hamilton, 3rd and 4th of February, the World Series, uh, to a whole new venue. It's been in Wellington for, what, 18 years, uh, maybe even longer. And, uh, and yeah, the party fizzled out there in the, in the <laughs> capital city. But uh, the Tron, jeez. Well, you, I mean, you lived in the Tron for a long time, Millsy. Have you got your top three destinations for passionate lovemaking in Hamilton? <laughs> what? No. Surely the Botanical Gardens. No. Because the only time I've been there is to do fitness for pre-season. Surely the back of the stand at Seddon Park. No, because I, I only went to a couple of cricket games. What about the tea plantation just out of uh, Horsham Downs? There's what? There's a tea plantation? Yeah, there's a tea plantation. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, I'm just going gonna, gonna to posit those as perhaps three of the best passionate lovemaking venues in Hamilton. Um, well, now that Firecats is gone, that's out of the... Is that gone, is it? That's out of the question, burnt down. Oh, gee. I think there was a fire in a kitchen next door. <laughs> Not ideal. No. Let's get into some serious business, Millsy. Uh, Hamilton's going to be fun, uh, and Sydney's going to be fun this weekend. And New Zealand go into uh, this tournament this weekend as top of the table. What was really interesting about that scenario was that after they won in Cape Town, they performed the haka. Mm. Yes. Do you know when they wrote that haka? That haka was written before the Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro. That was the first time they ever got to perform that hugger. Yeah. So they'd had to wait an entire season and a bit in order to win a title and to perform their freshly minted hugger. Mm. Well, that just goes to show, and I, you know, I suppose I touched on it before, uh, they sort of lost their way a little bit um, after the Gordon Titchens era. Obviously, they've got a new coaching panel and, and a lot, and some new players as well, some fresh you know, new faces coming through. And, that, and I suppose... The nucleus of that team now is all starting to sort of gel. And, you know, after winning, you know, Cape Town, they didn't start very well. You know, you've got to remember, they lost to USA in, in pool play. Mm -hmm. But to come back well from that, and you also got to think, some of their top leaders had sort of left. Um, and obviously, DJ Forbes, uh, a legend of the, of the Sevens game. Sherwin you know, Stowers was another. Exactly. And so when you lose uh, experience like that, it takes a wee while to, to get things back to, back to order. And they certainly have at the moment. Do you think that, I mean, we're going to talk about Super Rugby in just a second because uh, we're not far away from a start on that either. D do you think Sevens is growing? Uh, I mean, you hear it every year that it's, it's the growth part of our game. It's the globalised version of rugby uh, due to the fact that it's an Olympic sport. Mm. Uh, do, you, do you buy this? Because we see big crowds in places like Canada. The World Cup's going to be played in San Francisco a little bit uh, yeah. later this year. Yeah. Uh, we see massive crowds in Dubai. Cape Town's a sellout. Hamilton's going to be a sellout. Uh, is there substance behind the claims that Sevens continues to grow, continues to appeal to a wider audience? Oh, I think there is. I, I definitely think there is, and and particularly now in the women's game. You know, you're hitting the women's in there, and they're probably growing faster than than the men's side. And so, um, the the good thing about Sevens is, you know, you got two or three days where. You know, you look at, well, I just mentioned it before, USA can beat, you know, mm -hmm. the, the winners that have been a champion uh, for a, a very long time. And so it kind of evens things out a little bit. You know, one, you know, a couple of things can go your way and all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, the underdog wins it. And so it's exciting. It's fresh. And, and you don't have to know, have to know too many technical rules. You know, when you're, 
an, an onlooker, you're sort of just turning up and just seeing this free-flowing game. You don't have to worry about why they're mauling or why someone's being penalised for going in there with his two in the ruck and things like that. And so I think it's more appealing um, you know, to, to someone that's sort of uh, first looking at a, at a game of rugby as opposed to the technical side of test stuff. You know, we, I, I agree with you in a lot of ways about sevens. I've always been a fan of the sevens. I know that a lot of people who are, who are 15s aficionados don't really understand sevens and think it's a bit of a circus act version of the sport. But, but, but I would challenge that for the fact that if you watch the training behind sevens and you look at the style of game that these guys are playing, uh, when, when you watch a game of sevens live and you see how much space is on that field and how few people there are to cover it, yeah. I think it is an extraordinary performance week in, week out that these guys put out there, and girls for that matter, to be able to have the conditioning required, yep. the awareness required, and the composure required to get through two days, sometimes three days of action on a sevens field. You've played them, I and you've won Commonwealth Games titles yep. as a sevens player, Millsy. This is not an easy sport. No, no, it's not. And you're right. People don't get the appreciation about what these, um, you know, these players do. You know how big the field is, how hard you have to train, the fitness aspect, and mm. also the mental capacity to go. You know, yeah, you get a couple of you know hours, um, you know, in between games, but you're basically trying to recover to be at your absolute best for the next game because. Mm. You know, you don't know whether, um, you know, how, how fit the other team are going to be. And if you don't win, you could be knocked out within, you know, day one. And so right. um, I don't think when people watch it, yes, it's flamboyant and, you know, you get to the speedsters out there, but they don't really get the, um, I suppose, how hard, you know, a lot of these players have had to work to, to get themselves to, into, a, um, I suppose, you know, that peak of fitness. Here's the thing about, you know, I look at cricket, right? And cricket, instead of taking away players, is just, drop the time frame so you've gone from test match cricket to 50 over cricket to 2020 cricket I mean eventually you'll just bowl one super over it'll be all over in 15 minutes and we can all go home but rugby is the only sport that uh, that genuinely has three versions of the game and also four if you count the upcoming New Zealand beach fives uh, which is ludicrous but all power to them so you've got the sevens version of the game and now we're only a few weeks two away from the tens What does tens appeal, you think, to the wider public? Because all power, again, to the promoters for putting this tournament on, and I'm sure it's going to be a good tournament. I'm sure the Brisbane folk will love it. But what is, what is the appeal of tens that, say, sevens doesn't have? Well, I, I guess in, in some ways it's, it sort of brings some of the bigger boys into play. You know, all of a sudden you've got uh, a few props, um, a couple of locks that can play, and um, then the... the the technical side of the game is really starting to come into it because yeah, you're adding another three players on the field, so obviously not not as much room. There's going to be a bit more rucks and things like that. Um, you know, scrums do come into it a little bit in in, in lineups, the set piece. Um, I suppose it just it's an introduction into the 15s game in, in some ways. Sumo, I think you know, well that's that's the way I sort of see it. So why not play 15s but just play 10 minute halves? It's not worth it, is it? Well, why not? Well, I don't think it's worth it. Why not? That's well, a good well I mean, well, you're going to play 10, 10 man aside rugby with 10 minute halves. Why, why drop players? Just just drop the time frame. No, because if we played 15s and only played it for 10 minutes, you'd be guaranteed draws the whole time. Or someone would be shooting goals from. What's know? wrong with a draw? Everything's wrong with a draw. What's wrong with a draw? No, we don't want a draw. You've seen the lines last it's year. It's legitimate. It's you a legitimate you don't want result. A draw series. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. What would you prefer to play? 15s, 7s, or 10s? Or the new game that we're going to be promoting all season long on the short ball, Millsy, Rugby 11s? 
<laughs> what? It's played with a cricket bat and ball. Is it? Yeah. Have you just made this up? Or yeah, what? I've just made it up. We're going to have rugby 11s. You're kidding yourself, mate. No, I'm not kidding. Rugby 11. Well, you have to, you have to show me. Well, you have to at least run, run me through how that's going to work before. Well, I we'll discuss throughout the season. I'm not going to give it all away now, but if you can have rugby 5s, rugby 7s, rugby 10s, and rugby 15s, then we're going to come up with a game called rugby 11s. <laughs> it's going to be played on a cricket field. Well, I look forward to that. But to answer your question, yeah. Sevens to me was the hardest I've ever sort of had to train for. I remember going into camp for one week after uh, a super rugby campaign. I can and, see the fear in your eyes. Oh, while mate. You, just while you're talking about it. Oh, I, you know, when you walk into that, you know, remember the, you know, Palmerston North, the changing rooms down there, and you get that sort of, you know, usually it's like liniment and things. Like There's a scent down there, bloody the rubber. The pain. Oh, all it reminded rubber. me of was... What kind of room were you in in Palmerston North? Oh, I don't know. It was the rubber flooring. Oh. But I lost probably, you know, eight kgs in one week. Gone. I should be picked for a sevens team. That would do wonders for me. Eight, mate. That's eight. Eight in a week. In a week. And that was just from running every single day, twice, sometimes three times a day. Have you ever done the beat test with, with tackle bags? No. Don't be stupid. Like there's tackle bags at each end, and he used to make us, you know, hit the tackle bag, get back up, and make sure you still made that beep. You did a beep test with a tackle at each end. Each end, mate. That's that's. <laughs> and the worst thing was is yes. when the Super Rugby players returned back because they had to get the they get getting up the fitness that the Sevens boys are at, and so that meant early morning just fitness, and it just so anyway. To get yourself out of that into 15s, 15s, of, of, of course, you know, all you wanted to do was be a super rugby player and then on mm-hmm. to the big stuff. But the sevens guys, they do not get enough credit for what they do. And they do it hard, mate. Very hard. My yeah. favourite, so, to answer, sorry, to answer the question, to come right back to it, 15s, mate. 15s, easily. So 15, oh, sorry, oh, we got, <laughs> that was the most roundabout way to get to that answer yeah. ever. Well, I'm glad we're on super rugby. Let's get into it. Uh, first of all, a disastrous start for the Hurricanes, we understand, here on the short ball. Uh, Jeffrey Tokmanga Allen, who turned up early to training, has now ripped his hammy. Mm. And uh, prognosis not good for him, so it could be three months or more on the sidelines for JTA after he'd had a pretty big year last year. So not ideal. Lesson in that, obviously, do not turn up to training a single day before you have to. No, that is not smart at all, is it? I think um, you know he he deserved a rest as well. He had been with the uh, with the ABs for um, majority of the season. He went mm-hmm. on end year tour. Obviously, very keen to get back in there and make and uh, sort of you know uh, make his mark on it. But to get as a prop, getting back into speed work this early in the year, gee, mate. It's not ideal. I mean, I mean, it's great in a way, um, not the outcome, but the fact that he's so keen to get back into yeah. his club. I mean, which shows that, that the Hurricanes have got their culture pretty much on lockdown. Mm. But, yeah, by the same time, you, you can't help but feel sorry for the bloke. I mean, you turn up one day training and then, you know, you're sidelined for however many weeks it is. But that's going to be a bit of an issue. And I look around the other provinces at the moment or the other franchises in New Zealand, and we'll talk about another uh, franchise, which is interesting uh, in just a moment's time here on the short ball. But, you know... Aaron Major's new at the Highlanders, so there's going to be a, a definite change, I think, in the way they play the game, mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the way that they approach uh, their attacking style under Aaron Major. Chiefs have got a new coach under Colin Cooper, who's not a new coach, but he's a new coach for the franchise, so there's going to be differences there. Yeah. If you had to look at those two teams, 
Which team is going to have to change the most because of who's taken the top job? Is it going to be the Highlanders under Aaron Major or is it going to have to be the Chiefs under Colin Cooper? I think. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The latter, I think it's going to have to be the Chiefs, and purely for the fact that they've lost a lot of guys, a lot of experience. Uh, they're now looking at um, a new team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in terms of that, you you lose a lot of experience. Your, your culture sort of takes a big hit as well. So, um, and then they're going to have to. I mean, obviously, Coops has been around a very long time. Uh, was, was successful with uh, the, you know. Taranaki, mm-hmm. uh, albeit from you know the, the finals last year, but um, I'm a little bit worried about the Chiefs at the moment and how they're going to shape up, you know, in, uh, in terms of uh, you know you know what they've got. So uh, with with the, with the Highlanders, you know, um, I think they've still got the nucleus there. You know, I think the big one is you know having uh, Ben Smith. You know, he's he's had well he's been well rested. He's going to come back, you know, all guns blazing. So in mm. terms of their leadership, you know, they're in good stead. It's interesting for me that the, the Colin Cooper is an interesting scenario, and, and, and I don't mean to denigrate the man whatsoever, but as a player, you can't help but look back at a coach's history, can you? Colin had the Hurricanes for a very long time, never won a title, and in fact, I, you know, they, they probably missed the playoffs more than they made it, and, <laughs> and they had a team that should have been finals-bound every single year. Yeah. Do players, and I don't know, maybe this generation is different, but do players look back at a coach's record and say, Start to think. Oh, does this? Does he? Does he know? Is, are we going to get? Are we going to get what we need out of out of this particular coach? Again, that's not my opinion. I just wonder, given the fact that Aaron Major goes into a coaching job with none of that baggage. Yeah. So that's different for the Highlanders. Yeah. The Chiefs, though, can look back and look back at the history with the Hurricanes that Colin Cooper's put together. Does that start to put some doubts into their mind? Well, I think the start's going to be important because all of a sudden, you know, and and also the, his uh, Coops's approach. You know whether he, he takes on you know some of his. I mean, I, I say that they've lost a lot of experience, but they've still got guys there. You know, um, Guzzler, who didn't go on end of year tour, Sam Kane, and so it's how he sort of gets those guys on board. You know, does he uh, sort of lean to them um, more than you know, just just taking control? And so if he doesn't get that mix right, and all of a sudden things don't quite you know start off well, then all of a sudden players and and possibly himself will start to doubt. And so. You know, coming at, at day one and sort of knowing you know, how he's going to approach the season, whether he's going to you know, let the leaders take control or he's just going to come in all guns blazing and say this is how it's going to roll, is, is going to be important. I'm going to move up the island a bit. Let's go to the Blues. Not a new coach, but a new captain in Augie Pulu. 
Uh, we had James Parsons on the podcast yep. into last year, and and he talked about the the change in captaincy with us, and and why that change was being made. And I think he felt very comfortable not having the captain's armband. Now speaking to an insider at the club and, and talking about Jimmy Parsons, you know the fact is that he took so much responsibility mm-hmm. as the leader. Perhaps with Augie Pulu here, who who's captain counties, who's had leadership roles in teams. Perhaps it's a chance for others to stand up around him. Yeah. So there can be a, a lot more integration in terms of the leadership group, not just one person trying to drive it all the time. Yeah. I, I think Augie could could have one of those seasons where his genuine leadership shines through. But uh, he's got to keep his cool. And that's mm. gonna be that has got to be the toughest thing for the captain of the blues. Oh, absolutely. And Admittedly, I was a little bit surprised when uh, Tana first named him as a captain, but you sort of look at it and, and you're right. I mean, he, he doesn't say much the way he plays, and that's perhaps what the Blues need. You know, They need someone to just go out there and say, look, this is how I'm going to lead, and you either follow me or, or or you don't. And he's he's that typical player that goes out and just plays hard. And, um, you know, the only real concern is, you know, how he sort of manages uh, the stuff around the field mm-hmm. technically, but you know you've got enough guys around him. You know, obviously that, uh, that that can that can do that role. And you're right, he's got to keep his discipline because you know losing you know someone like Augie, um, you know during a game is, is would be a mess fit. But I'm looking forward to the Blues this year. I actually think they're going to do you know very very well. And so I'm looking forward to the way they they start the season. And obviously with the new format mm-hmm. that um, that we haven't had in the past, you know the top eight is actually the top eight. You know you're not. Is that, that's, that's, that's even how it works, isn't it, Sumo? Do you don't, know? Don't start now. Don't. Well, that's the way our, I see it. This is our first one back. Hey, that, that's the way I see you it. You don't need to complicate things by trying to get into the super rugby structure. No, Why would you know. do that? We've literally been back on air for 20 minutes. Ho- hopefully someone's listening and that's the structure they're going to use. All right. Well, the competition starts with the Stormers and the Haguares, so another blockbuster there at 2.05 a.m. New Zealand time. Can't wait for that. Um, and, and, and as only Super Rugby can do, let's just make week one um, a two-game bonanza just for South Africans only. So the Stormers, Haguares, and the Lions, Sharks. Um, classic work. Let's go straight to week two instead, shall we? Because it's exactly one month today, Millsy. Okay. Highlanders taking on the Blues. Mm. I'm looking forward to that at Forsyth Bar Stadium. Yeah. Ja- I, I get the feeling the Blues could win that. I get the feeling the Blues can win that, and I'll tell you why, because they bloody well need to, because this competition is tough. And I'll tell you why every other team is going to be looking at local derbies different this year. And uh, here's a bit of an exclusive on the short ball today, Millsy. It's our understanding that the All Blacks are going to be running four training camps during the Super Rugby season. All Blacks will be made to attend two of those four, regionally speaking, where it suits them. Now, the exact dates of those camps we're not sure of, but what we do know so far and what we've been able to ascertain from sources, it could well mean that a team like the Chiefs may have to leave some of their Super Rugby, uh, their All Black players behind when they go to South Africa, and it could well mean that players uh, who have local derbies that weekend are not available until captains run because they're going to be in one of these four all-black camps, uh, which has set the cat among the pigeons because New Zealand rugby likes to talk about everyone paddling the walker in the same direction. <laughs> but when you're a super rugby coach and your results come down fairly and squarely on your local derby results and the national team decides that they want to pull out your best players at least twice during the year, potentially during a local derby or while your team's on tour, uh, I, I'm telling you now, this has not gone down well. Oh, jeepers. That's, that's, I mean, that's huge. That's huge in terms of a local derby. 
because you know they're traditionally just just massive and if you're taking your, your all blacks out of there if one team's taking i mean how's it going to work well look mate look as i say i mean details are still coming through but but we do know that there are there are four planned camps now why are there camps this year? That, that, that's the first question we've got to ascertain. Um, is it purely because the All Blacks will play England at the end of the year? Is it, and, and what does that say about where the All Blacks find themselves right now? What did they use last year? 50-odd players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know we're a year out from the Rugby World Cup. Uh, but Super Rugby is important. You know, the coaches who are coaching Super Rugby teams probably feel that they just want their players and I can understand that. I can also understand uh, the all-black anxiety around making sure that they're settling on a team yeah, for 2019. So, yeah, I know both aims are honourable, but surely this has got to cause friction. If, if you're saying, I need to have all-blacks in camps this year outside of our international windows, uh, the all-blacks haven't done this, I believe, since Graham Henry and his rest and rotation policy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an interesting one, and I suppose that's been one of the strengths of New Zealand rugby is the fact that coaches or Super Rugby coaches have always sort of they've bought into the, what uh, the, our national body has sort of wanted. Um, now, if we go back and um, you talk about what we've just spoken about with uh, with the Chiefs, and they are under the pump and they need some of their players, and all of a sudden, you know, it's already been scheduled that they're going to lose all the All Black players to, to a camp. Now, surely, as a coach, you'd be sitting there thinking, "Well, what the heck? You know, my my job or you know our team's performance is on the line, but I've got to actually buy into this." And so, you know, yeah, or, and problematically, Millsy, you're not going to have a single All Black in saying, "I don't want to go to the All Black no, camp." They're not going to say that. <laughs> <are> <laughs> so, so, so the so players aren't going to fight for their franchise. No, so I mean, that's probably where it's going to cause you know friction. I mean, um, so it is. I just hope you know the. You know, and I'm, I'm sure they have. I thought, I think they've um, obviously thought long and hard about how this is going to work. Is it a case where, okay, well, the, the Blues are playing the Highlanders first round. They're going to take the Blues out. This, and then when they come back to play at Eden Park, they'll take the Highlanders players out. Is that appealing to the public? I don't know, mate. I don't know. We're, we're, I'm sure this will come out in the fullness of time and, and the plan will make sense. But I still think it's really challenging on the, on the Super Rugby teams. Mm. You know, at... During the season, and the other thing that I, I always look at here, you know, I thought New Zealand led the way. Surely uh, New Zealand rugby likes to claim that it's innovative, that the All Blacks are the most innovative team in the world. Is this a direct response to the fact that Eddie Jones has done this mm. with the England team and yeah. pulled players out of premiership play to go into camps? Because if that's the case, who's following who leading into the most important game of the year? Is the number one side in the world following the number two or is it the other way around? <laughs> and you've got to ask yourself that as well because... I mean, Eddie Jones will look at this and, and he'll take the credit for the concept. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He definitely will. No, I think, look, I think they're, they're a smart bunch and I think yeah, the, the All Black sort of um, panel, and they would have thought long and hard. I, I definitely think that uh, they needed something last year um, that perhaps, you know, they need, well, they don't need to reinvent the wheel, but perhaps this is it. Perhaps they needed uh, something to just change things up a little bit to get guys... Uh, a little bit more excited, you know, n- new things, and why not test it out um, a year out before the, the um, you know, the Rugby World Cup? You know, the problem with what um, what happened with uh, the rest and rotation was we did it World Cup year, and so you didn't really get a chance to test it, and you know, we all know what happened then. But then, as it evolved, yeah, you played centre. Yeah, as it evolved, you know, it's, everyone started to do it, and we've got to that place now. Perhaps this is the new thing. 
So how do you feel about that, though? And, and we'll finish on this, but how do you feel? Seriously, how would you feel if you were a super rugby coach? Your job is to coach a super rugby mm. team for six, seven months of the year. How, how do you feel at that point when uh, a high-performance plan involves you losing your best players for certain stages during your in-season campaign? Oh, that would be niggly. That would, I mean, f- forget everything. If you're there to win a super rugby title and you're looking at your, your best players being out at a certain time, you know, possibly up to four. I, mean, I think you're saying it's uh, two out of the four, but if you're looking at you know, your best players and it's already been scheduled in, and something happens, you're losing all these players through injury, all of a sudden, you know, you are under the pump. So it is, it is going to be niggly. Um, and that's why I'm hoping that they've sort of obviously sat around a, the round table with all of the coaches and sort of worked something out so that everyone's, you know, in agreement. Because that is, that is the strength of New Zealand rugby. That's the fact that all the coaches have buy-in. I'm not saying that they, they, they totally agree, mm. but um, to get buy-in is, is a tough thing. Yep, I totally agree with you. I wanted to finish the short ball today, Millsy, by talking about the Bulls. And um, yeah, a, a guy we know, John Mitchell, has taken over the director of, of rugby role at the Bulls. And, and a good friend of mine, Marty Veal, has been up helping them in a, in a set-piece coaching capacity. You know, and I was speaking to Marty about the Bulls. He said it, it is a transformation taking place really? at Bulls rugby, which doesn't surprise me about Mitch. Uh, I, I find Mitch to be a very deep thinker of the game. I know that... There are some people who, who would look at John Mitchell's career and, and it's, it's quite, uh, well, he's been a bit of a coaching gypsy over the years. But I think, um, from, from all accounts, they are turning a major corner at the Bulls. The Bulls should be the, the franchise in South Africa that is yeah. untouchable. Yeah. And we were just talking about it on the weekend, mate, about that game in South Africa when you, the Chiefs, played the Bulls mm-hmm. in that final. And, you know, Steve Donald was talking about that team. I mean, it was a rock star team, a rock star team. And we talked about turning points and moments in the game. In the end, they they stretched out for a comfortable win. But I think of some of the names involved in Bulls rugby then and and the fact they had a certain style and they played to it with Mm. absolute aplomb. If they could find a style that suits their big men again with a little more detail, they they can be a dynastic South African team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're right, you know, Mitch is, he's a, he's a thinker. And so he's been around the traps for a wee while. They lost their way the last few years. Even last year we were speaking about it. You thought, you know, they almost came back. You know, they didn't know whether they're playing an expansive game, whether they're still going back to their, their kicking out. But they've got to play to their strengths. Mm. You know, they're, they're big boys. And Bulls rugby, when that is strong, South African rugby is, 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 is strong. And so um, I, I hope, um, for South African rugby that they have. You know, you obviously you've got the Stormers, they play a little bit of an expensive game, but the Bulls traditionally in yeah. South African rugby, they play just a use your big boys kick. You know, might not look attractive, but it's winning. And you look back to two thousand and nine when they gave us an absolute flogging. You know, there were some classy, you know, um, legends of, of of South African rugby in that team. Yeah, there was. Including Bucky's water. They need another Bucky's. What a man. What a man. He <laughs> Yeah, he is a what a man. He's probably the most oh, filthiest rugby player when you're on the field. But off the field, it's like you're, he's your best mate. He's such a nice guy off it. Yeah. On the field, he just played hard, pushed the law a little bit, got a few cheap ones every now and then, but he's a hell of a man. That's it's big way, saying that, eh? Yeah, it's massive eh? from you. Jeez. Jeez, you've grown up over summer. I really like it. Great to have you back, Mills. Nice to be back too, mate. Are you sure? 
Say that next time with meaning. That's been a short ball for another day. Rugby Pass podcast. We'll be back every week with an update. Make sure you check out all the action, big action coming up north as well. So if you're on rugbypass.com, you'll get to see every single second. Kakite. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.